2 Peter 2, verses 17 to 22. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For, speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I can hear the applause roaring because Barrett Fisher, the Barfaccio, Barfish, is back in the chair. I'm sure there are lots of applause so going many. on in people's cars so right many. now. So many. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like a roaring tempest. Yes. Um, all right. Well, we are finishing chapter two of Second Peter today, and we only got a few days left in uh, this this powerful little book. Uh, it's a letter, uh, again, to kind of all these uh, small kind of churches that are throughout the Roman Empire. And um, we're continuing on in this really, really strong-handed um section about false prophets and teachers and it's all of chapter two is kind of devoted to this theme and uh it, it's some really heavy-handed language you know I'm, I'm reminded of after uh jesus's resurrection there's this really powerful kind of poignant moment where uh jesus is with peter you know peter who denied he, he was kind of like the rising star of the apostles. Mm-hmm. He, he had the great moment of confessing Jesus as the Christ. Um, he was up there on the Transfiguration Mountain. And then in the moment where it really mattered, Peter said that he'd never even met Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. He denied him three times right. at his trial. Um, and Jesus, in return, um, as is the way of Jesus, welcomes him back into fellowship and forgives him. And uh, here, kind of in that moment, uh, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Tend to my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. And so basically, it's this powerful kind of moment of commissioning yeah. where the past is behind them. The the relationship is reconciled yeah. um, through Jesus's love. Mm. But he's commissioned to tend to the flock of God. And um, I can't help but think of that moment as we see Peter's zeal here for people who want to take advantage of God's flock. It's kind of like this image of the shepherd who sees wolves mm. and he's ready to, he's ready to scrap, you know, mm. he's ready to fight and throw right. hands. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where we are. And, uh, you know, this passage today is kind of reminiscent of Hebrews 6 and some other interesting passages about uh, people who encounter God and yet then turn back inward on themselves. Yeah. So, Barrett, such matters are too great for me to comprehend, but <laughs> you have a PhD, so the people <laughs> want to hear. What are your thoughts on Second Peter 2? Yeah, I mean, 
I'll I'll point out a couple of things. You know, these these are actually some very powerful verses. Yeah. And I know Peter's kind of beaten up on the false teachers, rightly so. Mm-hmm. But he's he's scrapping with the with the false prophets, the false teachers here in this second letter. Uh, but there's certain things in here, the passage that I just read that are very um, informing, and I think very indicative of things that we can potentially fall into. And so mm-hmm. this is not like a a huge leap for us to draw out, you know, application to our own lives, kind of through this. And so. Uh, for example, in verse in verse nineteen, he says they the the false teachers they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. I, I mean, I feel like that is like, you know, a a it's almost like a slogan verse for everything that we preach here at Christ Covenant, mm. where it's like the world promises you freedom, but it ends up enslaving you, like you mm. end up in corruption. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there are so many things that on the surface, it appears to be freedom. Um, but then, you know, as you walk down the road with that, with that particular thing, whether it's material wealth or whether it's, you know, women or men, depending, you know, where you are and whether it's, you know, whatever it may be, you think that that is freedom and there's the way to freedom. And then you kind of end up in this place like, where where am I? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I was on a call the other day and was talking about, um, was kind of talking through how to catechize like middle schoolers and high schoolers. So mm-hmm. oftentimes we think of catechism in terms of like little kids, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who is God? He's three persons, yeah. you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so this is more, but it's actually looking at, culture and like all the messages that culture is sending to our, to our middle schoolers and high schoolers. And like, how do we catechize them to where they can like interpret those things? Yeah. And part of it, uh, one of the, one of the interesting things that this woman that I was on the call with Zach Smith and I were on the call with, but one of the things that she brought out is there's like a, a Levi's commercial where, um, this guy and this girl are, you know, obviously wearing like Levi's jeans and they're like busting through all these walls, you know? And it's just like, it's this idea of like, they've been enslaved, but now they're like free. They're freeing themselves by like busting through wall after wall after wall. And at the very end of the commercial, they end up in space. Oh, and there they are. That's what I think of when I think of Levi's jeans. Yeah. Or or (laughs) what you think of when you think of freedom, it's like, yeah. Wait, so now I'm like Matthew McConaughey and Interstellar, like <laughs> in the middle of nowhere yeah. space and like this is freedom. But it's it's to give this impression that like that is what freedom actually is. And and so I, I, I think I mean the world promises of us freedom like at every turn, yeah. especially in like a you know a 21st century Western uh, yeah. American context. But is the end of all those promises, is it actual freedom Mm -hmm. or does it lead to enslavement? Does it lead to corruption? And, you know, obviously I think it leads to, leads to corruption. And I think that's what this verse is saying. They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say for whatever, what, for whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. Mm. So that's a crazy statement. Yeah. Whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. And, I mean, we can just sit and dwell on that statement right there. So something will always overcome us. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it always happens. Like we always end up turning ourselves over to something, even if, even if it's like, well, no, I'm like totally free. It's like, well, you're giving yourself over to some idea of freedom. There's Mm -hmm. not like, you can't give yourself to some abstract thought of like freedom. It has to be attached to something. And so you're actually going to give yourself to something. Um, and then you will be what, you know, what Peter is saying here is like, you will end up being enslaved to that something. Yeah. Now, if we give ourselves to God, I think this is the reverse of what Peter is saying. If we end up giving ourselves to God, if we fully surrender our lives to Jesus, then we will be enslaved by Jesus. The uh, and, and I don't think that that's a bad way of thinking about it, that we're actually enslaved to Jesus. The amazing thing about the gospel is that God does not leave it an enslavement, mm-hmm. but he actually says, you know, I'm calling you to become my children. And so he actually adopts us into his family. But we are, in a sense, enslaved to him when we give ourselves over to him. So it's just an interesting thought that if you're if you're not enslaved, if you're not enslaved to God, what are you actually enslaved to? Yeah. Because we're all enslaved to something. Absolutely. You know, I I think that that is such a a great thing to meditate on that what are what are you overcome by i like overcome because that can be a positive or negative connotation yes you know like if uh if like an army is overcome by another army like that's not good (laughs) like you know good for the overcomer yeah sure sure (laughs) um but for us to be you know like we can be overcome by rage we can be overcome by anxiety or depression we can also be overcome by joy we can be overcome by gratitude mm-hmm. by love mm-hmm. and i think like we can tie that directly to the holy spirit or the sorry the fruit of the spirit and the holy spirit and uh you know ask those questions of um when i look at sort of the the receipts of my recent you know the recent tenure of my life right is it marked like am i overcome by by anxieties of having enough or doing enough mm. or or saying enough or whatever, or am I overcome by these really simple fruits that God promises right. to people who abide with him? Mm. So I, I love that. And, you know, just uh, we're going to move out of this section tomorrow. And I think a, a good thing uh, to see sort of in the the subtext here of this chapter, uh, we've spent two or three days now talking about bad leaders mm. Um, and specifically like how we can find comfort in the fact that, you know, one of the sort of factors that's driving people away from, uh, the church, from organized religion in the world that we live in is that there have just been a bad, a lot of bad leaders. And there are a lot of bad leaders, Mm. um, where, you know, people kind of equate what Christ covenant is about. People equate like what churches are about Mm. with like what they saw on TV in their grandma's house growing up or whatever. Right and the adverse effects of that. And so on the one hand, like, yes, we should be very, very comforted and grateful that the Bible harshly uh, deals with people who selfishly take advantage of the people of God, who bring adultery and manipulation into God's presence. Um, So that is a big takeaway. But another thing here, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, there are people, I know that there are people at our church and uh, hopefully people who listen to our daily rhythm who are, you know, dealing with uh, this just general mistrust and distrust of kind of church as an organization. 
Mm. It has failed so many times, um, you know, and a lot of people just don't want to be hurt. They don't want to be, they don't want to get their hands dirty in it. And so there's kind of like, especially with people my age, there's this hands off, like I'm chill with God. Jesus seems like an awesome dude, but I don't want to get entangled into this church thing when it goes awry so often. Mm. But I think the subtext that we can see here is, um, yes, there are bad leaders and be watchful for them. Do not fall for the things they're trying to sell you. But on the other hand, um, there are leaders who follow after and resonate with the heart of God. Mm. And this is not like a call towards Christian anarchy where it's like you and God out in the wilderness doing it alone, but that it's actually a call to like being in a healthy uh, home, mm. you know, a healthy home where there is loving, humble leadership mm. where uh, the way of Jesus is faithfully taught. And uh, you know, I, I've thought about this with marriage lately, like, there, there's so many horrible marriages in the world and, and people who grow up, uh, many of our people who grow up in homes that are governed by terrible, unhealthy marriages. Mm. But like, you know, we should hope, like, don't, don't give up on finding love. Like, don't give up on marriage yeah. just because you've seen a bad example. Actually see the bad example and then strive for like the opposite of it, yeah. you know? Right. And I think the same applies like, um, I think we all at different places in different ways from different vantage points have seen bad leadership in the church play out. Mm. But the call is not to just become a scoffer. And tomorrow we're going to get into this idea of scoffing, mm. but this like cynical, nothing is trustworthy, nothing is sacred, mm. um, kind of hard shelled person. But instead it's to to strive for good leadership, to become a, a servant leader and uh, to you know, see that that's the heart of this is not just to resist uh, and to be a suspicious person, but to be discerning and to submit to good leadership. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a great point. You know, I mean, it does talk about like the terrible leadership, even, even in this passage of how, you know, they, they at one time kind of saw the world through the knowledge of the Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, but then they are again entangled in them and overcome. Yeah. And so, you get terrible examples and I, I would totally agree with you. You know, if, if you're, if you're in that position right now of, of being very skeptical, don't look at someone who has walked this path mm-hmm. because the Bible is condemning them too. Mm-hmm. Um, look to Jesus. Amen. And Amen. that is what the Bible's message is over and over and over. Look to Jesus. It is yeah. Jesus that we follow. Yeah. It is not some, leader that we can point to who once was a good man and now has fallen or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, a great word. And, uh, we're going to start, uh, to slowly wind down second Peter tomorrow. So for the great Barfaccio Barrett Fisher, this is Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404 465 
1-800-285-1737 or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.